Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. She's not all that loud, I don't think, but it's amazing how quiet the house is when she's not there. And uh, But we're uh, looking forward to her return, and let's ask the Lord just to continue to keep his hand upon them and their family. The book of Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read several verses here. They're familiar, but let's, let's do this tonight. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. This evening I want to just take a journey, if you will, if you'll come with me, and let's just talk about a few of these heroes of faith tonight. Amen. Because these are they and many, many more that give us the courage, the confidence, the strength, the wherewithal to continue to press forward. Not just men and women in this book, but I'll probably reiterate this more than once. If Hebrews were rewritten or something akin to Hebrews were ever rewritten, you would be able to read that in astonishment and say, I have met them. I shook their hand. I was at such and such place. And uh, perhaps... Amen. Perhaps even someone here this evening would be a part of that number. May the Lord bless you. Let's make this journey together and you can be seated in the fear of the Lord. Faith plays such a paramount role in our life. Faith. Hebrews 11 has has long served as a uh, launching pad, a place of inspiration for countless sermons and Bible lessons. There's no telling how many 
messages have been preached and mined, how many treasures have been mined from this passage of scripture. Not just full sermons or full Bible studies, but millions and millions of references back to the very passages of scripture that we read tonight. What a true place of inspiration. Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 11 is that roll call of men and women whose lives were not untainted by failure. They were not untainted by disappointment and heartache, but they were men and women who just through it all continued to lean forward. And I'm thankful, so thankful for that. I've never met a perfect person. I've never met anyone without woe to some degree in their life. But I've always been inspired by those who can just continue to press on despite the circumstances around them. Heroes inspire hope. They inspire courage in people around them. And so in this chapter, the Lord sort of opens the door of this hallway to the heroes of faith. And from here, from this vantage point, he allows us to see the work of these great men and women. We watch their lives in action. Um, it's an interesting thing to take uh, these names one by one as we read them in Hebrews. We're not doing that tonight, but it's an interesting thing because I have in years past taken these names from Hebrews 11 and then personally just studied out their lives from beginning to end one at a time. And so you watch them in Hebrews 11 and it just seems like there's not a wrinkle in their fabric or there would be absolutely nothing wrong. How else could they be referred to as a hero? How would they have ever made it to this lofty position? But when you read about these individuals one by one and you read about the daily events that we have of their lives and you turn page by page by page, we see them high, we see them low. We see them succeed and we see them fail, many of them. And yet through it all, they wind up as such a great inspiration and, and the only sole reason for all that, the common denominator, the common thread that is woven through all of their lives is the fact that they just continued to get back up again and they pressed forward. There's nothing mystical about that. There's nothing magical about that. It's not anything supernatural. It's just that ability to say, God, I want you to help me back up one more time. Help me back up one more time. He allows us to see their faith at work. He allows us to watch their lives. The successes of these men and these women who somehow overcame opposition and that overcoming power inspires us. Their faith prepares us to be victorious in our lives as well in any situation that our, that our lives may encounter, whatever our paths or whatever paths we may take. The scripture says in Hebrews 11 and 1, now faith is. These are the defining words. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so these wonderful men and women exercised faith. They just exercised their faith. And by it, the exercising of their faith, these elders received a good report. And so if we just simply exercise our faith, you know what we're doing here tonight? We're exercising our faith. We lean forward, we press through. I have no ideas I often say what you may have had to go through just to get here tonight. And it's an exercise of faith. We are here not to just be seen. It's more than a social event, although we will 
socialize and we'll have some good fellowship before and after church. But we didn't just come for that. We came because there's a much more important purpose. There's something at the core and at the center of all of this. So we're exercising our faith. I think it's important for us to have a, a biblical concept of faith. One scholarly version of Hebrews 11 and one translates the word substance as realization and the word evidence as the word conviction. And so if we were to reread that, inserting those words, this is what Hebrews 11 and one would sound like. Faith is a realization of that which, of that which one hopes, a conviction concerning the things which one does not see. There's something in us. It's not frail and it's not fragile, not in the big scheme of things. We may think our faith is frail sometimes, but I'm gonna tell you that it's not. God has given us the faith that we need. Faith is not negated by the circumstances of our lives. It's not negated by the things of our literal surroundings. Faith draws its strength from the revelation of knowing who the Lord is. Amen. Our faith and confidence is not in man. It's not in ourselves. It's not in others. It's not in institutions. It's not in powers. It's not in governments. But our faith is in God. Amen. Faith does not alter our circumstances. The heroes of faith were unmoved by their surroundings. They were unmoved by the events that surrounded and transpired in their lives. Faith was that strong spiritual conviction of things that were yet unseen to the natural eye, but they just kept pressing and they just kept pushing in faith. Can I tell you today that many have died in faith that promises God had given them. They did not live long enough to see, but they did not die dejected and bruised and wounded or injured in their spirit but they died in faith because they understood God is large enough. He's God enough not just to see me through, but he is God enough to see what I have prayed for and what I've been promised come to fruition. Many times we prayed and, and wrestled with the Lord for pressing needs, things in our lives, with questions that were yet unanswered. And suddenly in the midst of our prayer, while we were praying, the burden was lifted and we knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt that God had heard our prayer. Can anybody relate to that? Amen. We were in prayer. We were crying out to God, talking to the Lord about this pressing need in our life and while we were praying, something lifted in our spirit. Amen. Maybe outwardly nothing changed. Perhaps the circumstances, the situation were not altered at all as far as we could tell with our natural eye, but something connected in prayer and we knew that God heard that. I'm gonna tell you there are many times we had better pin that to our heart and hold on to it with everything that we have. I know that God has heard my prayer. Now when God brings that into fruition, that's another story. He is sovereign and he doesn't owe me a timeline. Amen, but I'm thankful to know that God has spoken that many times in my life. The word of God contains many teachings concerning God, man, sin, holiness, salvation, worship, a myriad of things. Every area of knowledge is, that's necessary to salvation, the word of God contains teaching on that. And so we adopt these teachings of scripture 
as our faith is essential to salvation. We pull that into our life. Faith is that attribute that comes to us from receiving a set of beliefs. Amen, I'm glad to have a foundation to stand on. I'm glad to believe something. Now, I think that is very, very important, especially against the backdrop of where we live today because the religious movement of the world would minimize the importance of any doctrine at all. You just believe what you want to believe and I will believe what I want to believe and we'll all meet together in the sweet by and by. But I'm gonna tell you that it is vitally important that we have something under our feet to stand on, the word of God that is fundamental and holds us against all ages, it holds us. Amen, we need to believe. And so what we believe puts us in relationship with Christ. What we believe governs our Christian walk. I'm not going to do that because I have a belief system or I am going to do this because I have a belief system. I believe in something that is larger than I. I mean, anyone who has faith doesn't find it hard to obey the word of God concerning things like repentance and water baptism in his name and receiving the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And so the better acquainted we become with the Lord, the stronger our sense of trust and loyalty to the Lord becomes. And so in the heroes of faith, we see this attribute of faith in their heart. Amen. Their, what was in their heart was linked to their lives. It wasn't just something they believed in secret. It wasn't something they believed in, in the shadows, but it was something that was played out. Some of them, some of them died because of what they believed. Am I right? Amen, we'll talk about that in just a moment, but in this book that I have open before me tonight, amen, some of these men and women died because of what they believed. That's believing in something, friend. And I'm gonna tell you something, if people won't live for the Lord, they certainly won't die for the Lord. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, I, 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 would, I would never do this in the end of time. I would never take the mark of the beast or I would never do this. I would never do that. I would never deny the Lord. But let me tell you something, friend. If you can't live for God in a dispensation of grace, you are kidding yourself to think that you're going to be able to live for God when the dispensation of grace is lifted. Amen. We will never stand. We got it. We, this is the best opportunity we will ever have is here, here and now. Amen. So I want to persevere. Let's talk about some of these names that we mentioned here tonight. The Bible mentions a man by the name of Abel. There's something encouraging in studying these lies. There's something, uh, there's something enlightening about it. it. It puts something in your steps. It puts a confidence there. The first person mentioned in this 11th chapter is this man, Abel. Against the backdrop of the failures of Adam, his father, Eve, his mother, and Cain, his brother, here was a man who did what was right. <laughs> Amen. A man who stood on principles even when his mother and his father and his brother would not stand. The righteousness obtained by Abel clearly stands. Cain offered a product of human effort while Abel offered a lamb that was provided by the Lord. Cain had faith in his own works, but Abel understood that acceptable blood sacrifice and he gave everything that he had. It is no wonder of his honorable mention. 
The next man mentioned in scripture is a man by the name of Enoch. Enoch was one of the most outstanding characters in all the word of God. And I know that's a broad statement, but Enoch does stand alone. The Bible says his faith in God caused him to walk in divine footsteps without faltering. From a, just a casual reading of Hebrews 11 and 5 and, as, and the Genesis record, of course, we might think that Enoch just walked a path of ease, but, but Jude kind of gives us a little bit different insight about that. We learn from Jude 14 and 15 that Enoch knew what it was to be anointed by the Spirit of the Lord, and he also knew what it was to suffer at the hands of his generation. And yet, in all of that, Enoch walked and pleased God. Amen. I will say tonight, thank you, Enoch. Thank you for just continuing to walk. Thank you for continuing to be faithful against all odds. His faith in God is recorded in 11 and 5. It enabled him to live a godly life. It enabled him, if I could use this word tonight and not use it loosely, it enabled him to live a stable life. I'm thankful for people that you can count on. Thankful for people you can put your hand in theirs and know that everything is going to be all right. I'm thankful for those that I know I can call on to pray. And I understand that that prayer request is not gonna get vaporized in the busyness of their life, but somehow they're gonna take that to heart and they're gonna take that seriously. I am thankful for men and women who went before us, men and women between this book that's before us and where we stand tonight who just continue to walk with God. I'm thankful for people that have a stable walk with God. The immediate reward of his faith was being translated. We can't imagine how that would happen, but Enoch's walk with God brings an assurance to every generation that you can live for God without faltering. You can press on. Thank you, Enoch. The Bible talks about Noah a man who lived a life of faith. He lived a life of faith when, at the same time, he lived in a society that was so degenerate that the Lord said, I've had enough and I'm going to wipe out mankind. And of the population of the world at that time, Noah and his family, just eight individuals, had the righteousness to be spared by the hand of God, destroyed by a flood. This is proof that there's no situation in which a person of faith cannot live for God. You can stand if you want to stand. You can stay true if you want to stay true. You can walk if you want to walk. Hallelujah. Noah is living proof that if you want to make it to the end, you can make it to the end. And so tonight, I want to say thank you, Noah. Thank you, Noah. When everybody around you failed and was living life to the wind and when they had no moral compass at all and was doing whatever pleased them, thank you for not only standing true to your principles, but thank you for hearing the voice of God and the instructions of the Lord. Amen. Noah was doing something to the saving of his own house. Amen. He moved with fear, the scripture says, to build an ark. And this ark, not only became a symbol of his faith for the saving 
king of his house. But at the same time, that ark was a symbol of divine wrath and judgment to an unbelieving world. I want to say thank you, Noah. Thank you for continuing to press on when people were poking and prodding and making fun and trying to demoralize you. Thank you for staying true. No matter how wicked the generation around him became, Noah said, I'm going to hold on to the unchanging hand of God and faith caused him to triumph. Thank you, Noah. Thank you. What about Abraham and Sarah? Through this extraordinary display of faith, they became a prime example in scripture. Noah's faith was tested severely. First, he was called upon to leave his homeland in Ur of Chaldees, spend his life, much of his life, wandering in strange lands among strange people. The Lord had promised him not only natural blessings, but the Lord had promised him spiritual blessings, both of which seemed so far out of reach. The Lord promised Abraham and Sarah a son in their old age. And until Sarah recognized that this was a promise of God and Abraham for that matter, they both laughed. Amen, when the promise was made. Now, I don't think their laughter was necessarily in unbelief. I think their laughter was in amazement. Is that fair enough? I don't think that they offended God or displeased God. It didn't disqualify them with the Lord, that's for sure. Hebrews 11, 11 says of Sarah, she judged him faithful who had promised. So she may have laughed, but in her heart, she judged him faithful who had promised. She may have said, I don't have any idea how you think this is gonna even be possible, but I judge you faithful that made this promise. Now, we've all been right there. We may have laughed in our heart or doubted in our spirit and said, I'm not sure how at all that could come to pass, but Lord, if you said it, I'm gonna deem you able to make this promise a reality. Amen, I'm gonna judge you faithful. I will judge you faithful. When the Lord called on Abraham to offer his son Isaac, his faith did not fail him. You ought to read that story again and then read it again and then read it again. Shouldn't be lost to us certainly as we read this story that it was not just the faith of Abraham but certainly the faith of Isaac as well. But Paul said this to the church in Rome in Romans 4 and 20. He said he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Now that's a powerful statement. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21 says, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. He staggered not. Even when God said, take the promise and kill it, he staggered not. Long before the angel said, I'm not sure how long it took to climb this mountain, but long before the angel said, Noah, where are you? He told the men that were with him, we're going yonder to worship and we're going to return. I don't know how God's gonna pull all this off. I have no idea. I know what the Lord has told me, but I'm telling you that we are going up this mountain and we are coming back down this mountain. I don't know how God is going to handle this and he staggered not at the promises of God. Amen, Abraham knew 
and I don't mean to sound morbid here this evening, but Abraham knew that if I do what God has asked me to do, and that is to offer my son for a burnt offering, that the only thing I'm going to have to show for this promise when it's all said and done, again, I'm, I'm not trying to be morbid, but the only thing I'm going to have to show for this is ash. But the Lord said it, and I'm not going to stagger at it. Thank you, Abraham. Thank you, Abraham. Thank you for staying faithful. Thank you for believing beyond what the mere human mind could ever dare dream possible. His faith did not waver. Abraham sought a city, the scripture says, whose builder and maker was God. The hope that propelled Abraham is the hope that today we have. We look for a city that knew Jerusalem. The next mentions in the scripture are Isaac and Jacob. Isaac and Jacob continue the lineage of the promise. The Lord had made a specific promise to Abraham that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Isaac and Jacob both faithfully taught the lessons, were taught the lessons of faith, not only by their forefathers, but they taught that to their descendants. They lived by this faith. They died in this faith and received a divine stamp of approval. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness to the kingdom of God. How could you dare talk about faith and heroes of faith and not mention Joseph, who was no doubt one of the greatest people to ever live? His life certainly was such a type of Christ. Through his past, through many trials, his faith never failed. He just continued to walk forward. You know the story well, and I'll not belabor the issue, but when his, so, his brother sold him in Egypt, he still believed the dreams that God had given him were true. Somehow I still believe this. I'm holding on that what God promised he's going to bring to pass. When in prison, because he refused to surrender to the desires of his master's wife, he still believed against all that was going on in his life. God made me a promise. He left no place for questioning. He left no room in his life for doubt, nor did he leave room for bitterness in his heart because he knew that God was with him. That's what Genesis 39 says. He found opportunity for service. In the midst of the greatest trials of his life, he found himself a servant. The Lord blessed everything. Everywhere Joseph found himself, God blessed him. Even though he was not where Exactly, he thought he was going to be. God still blessed him. Wherever he seemed to find himself, God would elevate him and life would tear him back down, but God would bring him back up again. Another situation would tear the rug of life out from under him, but God's hand would elevate him again. And all of this, God kept Joseph, amen, and his faith stayed strong. He made an impression on history's oldest nation. But in spite of all the glory that, that became his in Egypt, Joseph, and this is the greatest testimony of all, never lost sight of the greater plan of God in his life. He never got intoxicated on his titles. He never got, he never got caught up in the authority or the power that he had. He realized he was just a servant in the hand of God. Moses, the presumptive heir to the throne of Egypt, became the great leader of the Israelites. The role for which the Lord had prepared him was a very, very difficult role. If you read about the life of Moses and the task that was placed before him, it was seemingly more than a mere man could handle. Often Moses must have stood on the very brink of despair and we find that multiple times in scripture as he sought to rebel, as he sought to lead this rebellious group of people 
He was just trying to make things better. He was just trying to leave them where the Lord was trying to take them and yet they rebelled at every turn. Amen, <clears throat> at every turn. I heard one pastor say one time, in a moment of utter despair, he said, you just wouldn't think it would be this difficult to get people to go to heaven, would you? <laughs> Must have been how Moses felt trying to get people to Canaan. Moses was instructed in faith by his mother. And I've mentioned this many times. As a woman of faith, she saw to it that her son would know the promise, promises that God had given to Abraham. I'm going to make sure you get this, Moses. And so it was that when Moses was grown, something, some seed, something was planted in the heart of this young child while his mother was planting that seed in faith. Amen. When he was grown, he refused to be called the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the, the affliction of the people of God. Hebrews eleven twenty six said, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of reward. Thank you, Moses. Joshua and Rahab, Joshua led Israel around the walls of Jericho and, and it's important because this is, where, this is where Rahab lived. This was her home. Rahab had received the promise of two men of faith and the spies went in to spy out the land. She received them and, and because she received them and hid them and protected them, they said, because of that, your life is going to be spared. When, when God destroys Jericho, your life is going to be spared she believed their promise. She believed that it was ordained of God because she said, we have heard about your God. And she believed that so strongly. She exhibited her faith by doing something that we would deem almost silly. Those men said, here is your ticket out, Rahab. Whenever we come in to take Jericho, you just hang a scarlet thread or a scarlet cord in your window. That must have seemed so absurd to her, but by faith, she tied that scarlet thread in the window and with doing such, she not only honored those men, but she honored their God and her and her family was saved. And she was not just saved, but she was accepted into the people of Israel. And additionally, she is identified in Matthew 1 and 5 in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Thank Thank you, Rahab. Amen. Thank you. She was a lady of ill repute. She was the one at the bottom rung of the ladder, the lowest of the totem pole. Who would ever dare dream that this lady would become a lady listed in the roll call of heroes of faith? But she just kept leaning forward when life was pushing back. And she hung a thread when others around her may have said, you have lost your mind. But she never lost faith in God. Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land and under his leadership, the conquest of Canaan was accomplished. Now, if you know anything about Hebrews 11, you understand that not only were there victors in this list, but there were also victims of faith as well. Men and women who did not seek escape from what the scripture calls torture, cruel mocking, scourging, imprisonments, and so forth, and they suffered for their faith in God. And they counted it all joy because they did it unto him. According to scripture, they were tortured. The three Hebrew children, um, these men, the three Hebrew men were threatened with a fiery furnace. Daniel thrown into the, 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 the lion's den and, and many other stories that we know about, but many of them unknown. But faith in God cannot be conquered. It will triumph despite all opposition. 
The Bible talks about cruel mockings. The scripture refers to scourgings and these form of cruel mockings and scourgings are clearly understood when we see how Jesus was mocked and how that he was scourged and not only Jesus but many others. Paul was beaten with those 39 stripes on five different occasions according to 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four. What about bonds and imprisonment? The Bible is filled with accounts of those who were suffered imprisonment for their faith. Among them were Joseph and Jeremiah and Peter and Paul and James. What was true then is still happening today around our world. There are men and women who are standing for their faith against all odds. Christians in many countries are being sent into exile, some imprisonment for the sake of the gospel. Heroes, real heroes of faith. I want to ask our musicians to come and ask you to stand. Our study of Hebrews 11 should make us appreciate the things that God has promised. We see how we see how others have gone before us. Their path clearly set. Their steps undaunted. Their faith securely placed. They valued God. They valued the house of God. I've been inspired through the years by men and women who have been so faithful to the kingdom of God, to the work of God. I've watched their health fail, their steps slow, their life radically changed. And I've watched them just continue to come to the house of God and they didn't just drag in to be counted, they came. Probably more effort than we could ever dare imagine involved just to get to the house of God. I've received countless phone calls from some who who just could not make it to the house of the Lord to just come to a worship service and and on the other end, weeping through bitter tears, I want to be in church, I want to be in church, I want to be in church. Thank you. It's that kind of steadfast faithfulness that has placed foundation strong enough to build churches for generations. Amen. It wouldn't matter how polished the pulpit, it would not really matter how prepared the pulpit, if there wasn't faithfulness in the pew, we would not have what we have today. And so I'm so thankful to see those that have gone on before us. Those of us who live in this modern society, in truth, we really know very little about suffering, really, We know very little about that. I think the great danger that comes to us may be the matter of our faith being just eroded, just those little subtle attacks, the ease that that sometimes whittles away at our faith, just at ease. I'm not being unkind, but I want you to hear me out. The Bible says, woe to them who are at ease in Zion. Woe to them. We have something before us too important to fold our hands, too important to dismiss, 
the presence of God and the call of worship. It's just too important. We must come. We must lean in. We must have that faith and courage and our faith strengthened and our steps established. An important lesson perhaps to be learned from our study is that these people of faith, what they had in their life is something that all of us need and that steadfastness, that consistency of their life with God, they were just there. They just kept going. They just kept pushing. It wasn't easy, but they just kept pushing. Having once experienced faith, they moved forward. This amazing steadiness just plodding along. Can I tell you that this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. We need to just set our pace. Set our pace. Amen. We have the advantage today. We have an advantage that they did not have. Hear me, please. We have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We have the promise of His Spirit living within us. They did not have that advantage and yet they stayed true. So how much more ought we tonight to just keep our hand in his and our faith sure amen how much more can we worship the lord amen would you make an altar where you stand praise god can we magnify the lord in song this evening this message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of hatchbend apostolic church We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.